0: All right, so I'm making like a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No? Mm. Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community.
1: My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying, everything comes out of the wash. Because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a
0: completely different person. So it's actually only two of us now myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. We like to watch 60 Minutes because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Nana, yes, make sir. the
2: noise. Welcome to the Extra Credits for Research for Meaning in Your Favorite Movies and Shows. I'm Trey. And I'm Kelsey. Today we're talking about one of our favorite movies of 2022, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. This movie is something we've talked about on the podcast before. It is a blend of live action, stop motion, animation, naturalistic filmmaking, and it has this really smart, dry humor that we love coming back to, but Mm. at its core, it is incredibly human emotionally brutal at at times and uh (laughs) it makes it really unique and rare and to talk about our guy marcel today we're joined by the creator writer director and editor dean fleischer camp dean thank you for coming on
0: of course thank you for having me it is emotionally brutal sometimes yes it is
2: yeah we uh the alamo draft house had a special where they were like they were telling people to shh like yeah, the waves.
1: They had an opening. It was very. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and I yeah. was like, I
2: think we're about to get a little teary in this one. Yeah, yeah. I definitely
1: <laughs> cried every time I've watched it. But yeah, so we just wanted to start by asking how does it feel to have Marcel nominated for so many animated feature awards? And tomorrow, you know, it's very likely your film will be nominated for an Oscar. I mean, we're not surprised. Like we said, we're big fans. Yeah. I don't know if you can see behind us on our bookshelf, but we have a little. Marcel sitting there on his uh, matchbox. Oh, you're getting Aww. it. Okay, get the little close-up <laughs> there. <laughs> um, but I know it's an impossible question, but how are you feeling?
0: I mean, it's totally amazing. It's totally amazing and completely overwhelming. You know, we made this, this was like a labor of love for seven-plus years. And the um, the fact that it's, you know, reached this broad audience and, and is now getting nominated for awards is like, completely unbelievable it out it outpaced like all of my expectations for who would see this movie and and the reaction that it would might garner and it's it's been incredible it's also been incredible to like i don't know like i don't know what else you would work on for seven years it's just like living on your (laughs) laptop all that time but like (laughs) it's been an incredible experience to finally share that and all that effort as a group of filmmakers to be able to like finally share that and celebrate you know this like crazy effort that we all put in countless hours and so much um so much time and energy um it's awesome to be able to because like as a filmmaker you, you you make a movie and you like bond really closely and you have this little filmmaking family but then you're like you know you get into editing and everyone goes up does other projects and mm-hmm. you don't these people are not part of your daily life anymore and it's it's an amazing yeah it's like the best possible kind of homecoming slash family reunion to be able to do it on those terms
2: yeah i think all the hard work is paying off especially when your film and del toro's pinocchio are like the two animated features that everybody is talking about this year is hitting close to home yeah and uh that's quite the filmmaker to be next to so i'm sure that's pretty awesome (laughs) yes (laughs) we've
0: been we've been losing quite a bit to to Pinocchio but I am like you know if there's someone if there's someone to feel pretty pretty darn good about losing to it's it's uh, Guillermo
2: yeah (laughs) so I after watching your movie I was like pretty, it's weird not to sound corny when talking about being emotional in a movie theater, but I'm an emotional movie goer. She's a
1: movie crier. Yeah, Yeah. Kelsey isn't
2: as much. (laughs) I don't know what that says about me, but I'm fine with it. I'm I'm, I'm confident in it. Uh, But when I saw your name at the end of the film, I wasn't familiar with your work. So I went back and watched a lot of your earlier stuff, and it's easy to access a lot of your shorts. So, listeners, I recommend checking those out. They're great. Yeah. I especially love some of your commercials. There's a a, a great Clarisonic commercial uh, <laughs> where this <laughs> this kid's like jeans <laughs> rip. Um, I'll put that in the description for anybody's interested. Kelsey, I don't <laughs> know if you check that one out. I haven't but seen it. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> um, and you can feel your humor even in those moments and the way you edit. And since seeing Marcel, I've been really excited to watch your 2016 documentary Fraud, but I haven't found a way to watch it mm. yet. I did. I did check out the yeah. trailer, and that was an experience in its own right. I don't know if you cut the trailer, but it was legitimately like a one-minute horror film. And uh, <laughs> again, the, ed- the editing was awesome.
0: I did not. I can't take credit for the editing of that trailer. That was all Jonathan Rippon, who, who edited fraud as well. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's an incredible editor.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about your transition as a filmmaker? Did you start with... Editing because I think that's one of the like you had a a ton of different jobs as a director on Marcel, but something that I noticed in watching it a few times and seeing some of the behind the scenes featurettes, the editing is kind of what makes the movie uh, so immersive. Did you start with editing and then make your way to short films and documentaries and now independent film, and what was that transition like?
0: Yeah, so I so I went to undergrad, I went to film school, and I I, while I wanted to be a writer director, um, I fell into editing because it's kind of, you know, it's like one, there's only a few jobs that you can kind of get right out of college to be able to like pay the bills. And so I was like, you know, they I I had already learned how to edit in high school from probably like a pirated version of Final Cut or something. And so I was like, (laughs) oh, I can, I can just get on like, you know, uh, people's lists and try to, you know, either assistant editor edit. So I was doing a lot of that even before I graduated, um, just like to pay the bills. And then and from there it evolved, and yeah, I started I started editing on TV shows or assisting on it on TV shows, and um, it definitely has informed uh, the way that I write and the way that I direct, especially the way that I direct. And I I don't know how anyone mm-hmm. now I don't know how anyone directs stuff without being an editor. Now I'm like, yeah, it's amazing because I can just be on set with my laptop and like get files like right. almost immediately after shooting them and start cutting them together and seeing what works. Um, So yeah, I started as a, I started kind of accidentally as an editor um, and you know, that whole time I was always sort of like flirting with directing and writing, but um, didn't really make the jump until, yeah, until Marcel and a couple of their shorts Mm -hmm. and stuff like that.
2: So when getting to Marcel, uh, it's quite like the first major feature to direct because of the fact that you have like hundreds of artists working on the film. And in that way, it's like obviously like a a technical achievement, but I'm sure it was very stressful. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit of the process of making a movie like this? So listeners have a grasp of the work that goes into it because we've done the work because we're fascinated by the movie and what it took to make it. And mm-hmm. we're obsessed with this stuff, but I don't know if listeners really like, I'm sure listeners, like, when they saw the movie, they were like, Marcel, Nana Connie, your character, Dean, and mm-hmm. they were probably feeling like this is a tiny crew, almost like a documentary in the movie, which I'm sure is like a dream come true for you because you don't want people <laughs> thinking about the movie making <laughs> process and all, all the craziness that's going on behind the scenes. But can you give us a little bit of a an idea of what the storyboarding and to live action yeah. and then the, like, stop motion filmmaking is like?
0: Totally. That is, by the way, Trey, my like favorite compliment to get is that it feels like, you know, you just pop the the uh camera off the tripod and it's just like me walking around the house only because yeah. <laughs> because it because it means that like we did our job and managed to make this look easy, even though I like my favorite is when people are like, Oh, I thought it was just like tiny budget you and a house and then i saw the credits and it was like 500 people's names <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah yeah and that's the truth of it is like it, in some ways it takes way more effort to make something look effortless um especially something like this but but it, uh but it's also just a to it's a good transition from editing really because it was born uh it was born the screenplay was written um almost as much as it was edited from uh, audio so we you know i i always wanted this to feel like a real documentary and i i had never seen a quote-unquote mockumentary which is not a word that i love but um right <laughs> i've never seen a, a mockumentary where uh the character the subject is taken seriously and sort of extended the same amount of dignity and um serious focused attention that you would that you would extend to any real documentary subject and so that was kind of like the just the first kernel of an idea about how to do this um and that necessitated like i i really wanted i wanted to try to give us documentary constraints every step of the way so we started out with a writing process that was um i I generally coming coming from editing and having you know entered the industry at the time that i did i feel like editing is as much an authorial process as the writing in a lot of um mm-hmm. projects now because we now na- you know it used to be that like you write that the film was very expensive and you don't want to waste it so you'd write the thing right. and you'd finish it and then you'd shoot it and then you'd cobble it together and now that it doesn't cost too much more to just endlessly roll and roll and roll um what what takes on more of an authorial uh, i don't know role is the actual editing mm-hmm. and that's why there's this big boom in documentaries now that's why mm-hmm. um, I think editing is like essential to be a director now, and uh, and and so it was it was a matter of figuring out how to bake that found in the edit storytelling into a movie that was actually about a fictional creature, <laughs> a talking snail shell, um, and so yeah. and so a lot of that started with the writing. Like we would do uh, what we sort of backed into after kind of like figuring out what our process would be. Was that uh, Nick Paley and I, who both wrote and edited the movie with me, would we would write for several months and then we would record for a few days with the cast with Jenny uh, and then folded in, you know, Isabella and the rest of the cast?
1: All right, I saw the sweat bands, yeah, the, yeah, the cameras, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: those are awesome.
0: Yes, that was a fun. that was such a funny day when we were like, wait, we can't use lav mics because the fabric will wrinkle and Marcel doesn't have any fabric,
2: <laughs> so many clothes, yeah.
0: <laughs> We have to tape them to our forehead. Um, anyway, so uh, so we would do, yeah, like three months of writing and then a couple of days of recording audio and then three months of writing. And we did that over and over again. Um, and while writing that additional three months, we'd also be editing the audio that we got. So we'd like, you know, we were kind of rolling all the time. We'd record like the stuff that we wrote, but then we'd, we'd have we had the freedom on set to be like, oh, let's try this way. That's not quite working maybe like Jenny came up with some like incredible riff and we wanted to figure out a way to include that. Um, so it was always a conversation between, um, writing and more kind of like improv documentary captured stuff. And, um, and then a few years into that, we started folding in like the visual elements. So once we felt confident that the audio and the screenplay were like, in going in the right direction, we started storyboarding. I and Kirsten Lepore, our animation director, started mm-hmm. you know drawing frames so that now we had visuals. And when we recorded audio, we could react to not just the thing we'd written, but also like, you know, what, what it's going to look like a little bit more and, oh, how's he going to get up that wall? It's like the honey footprint idea or like all these things that were more world building could be um, incorporated. And so by the end of that, I forget what it was, but probably like three years or so, we had oh, arrived wow. at, yeah, that whole process took a very long time. Um, we had arrived at a locked um, uh, screenplay, audio play, and animatic, meaning all the storyboards, like kind of at the same moment.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's it's an unusual process that results in a pretty unusual, you know, docu-fiction product. Um And there wouldn't have been any there. I I'm so uh, grateful that we found, you know, the right producers and the right people that had faith in this process, because I I don't think any studio would have like taken a risk like that and been like, okay, yeah, let's, let's give these people three years to uh, butts around on an outline.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I really recommend listeners uh, buy the Blu-ray, buy the DVD and go watch the behind the scenes because it was wild to see what you all did with the stop motion, having to match the shadows for Marcel. Mm, yeah, the
2: shadows got me every time Making I saw strawberries. a shadow. And it it <laughs> changes the washing experience once you know that like every eyeball movement is is like a different eyeball or like every shadow yeah, is different. Yeah. Once yeah. you watch the film again, it is a completely different experience, not just like <laughs> thematically or emotionally, but just technically, which is awesome. I, I guess I didn't realize, like I've seen behind the scenes featurettes. I've watched documentaries on the like actual stop motion filmmaking process, but I, I didn't realize the kind of um, the meticulous nature of having to replant marcel and rebuild these environments around him and every frame that he's in in the film yeah. and seeing all these like different sets that were ha- having to be created in these dip- different stage floors was that the most difficult process for you i mean i know you have people working on that like when you're doing off off doing a bunch of other things mm-hmm. but was that like the maybe the most time invested into that part of just like creating this second world of marcel
0: you know what i think was like the uh I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of time invested in a lot of different areas. So I don't want to sure, yeah. change one phase or something. But I think yeah, once yeah. we figured out the once we had like assembled this team, and we'd all gotten on the same page of like, okay, we're doing things a little bit differently. And here's how we're gonna break this like mountain down into a 1000 tiny little steps. And I think that that to me, that was the that was the most kind of stressful part before we had proved even to ourselves that this was a process that would work. I I think that once we once we I think that that was pretty time consuming. But once we figured it out, like once everyone, you know, that huge group of people is on the same page of like, okay, yes, we are taking just to explain to your listeners. It basically the way we shot this movie necessitated shooting the movie kind of twice once you shoot the live action Mm -hmm. portion of it this is after we have like most of the audio pretty much locked. You shoot the live action portion of it. And then, and, and that is shot, you know, the actual footage that we use in the cut is completely empty. Marcel's not in it. None of the animated characters are in it. But uh, for every one of those shots, we're shooting like, um, you know, a puppeted version and a lighting stand in and taking really, really detailed notes um, about the lighting setup and everything so that we can then recreate it and shoot every shot a second time which is just the characters and the animation, uh, the animated performances. And that all has to be shot because of the nature of stop motion on, a, on stop motion stages. It can't be shot like in the real environment. And um, in order to do that, like I said, there's a ton of handholding between the different departments. And there's a lot of taking notes about the live action shoot so that however many, six, eight months later, you can recreate the exact uh, precise lighting conditions, because if you don't, and, and that's down, especially with characters this small, that's down to like inches. Like there's a Coke can, a few inches from Marcel that might bounce some light back on him or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, recreating all those conditions perfectly. So that when you do the comp and you put, you try to, uh, comp Marcel into the live action plate, it works perfectly. And otherwise he does he'll just look stuck on top and the illusion is kind of broken. Um. So and 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 because again of the nature of stop motion, that's down to things like uh like you were talking about, Trey, like the when they go out in the car, the the flicker of a shadow when we pass by, you know, every palm tree we pass by, there's a there's a flicker of a shadow on Marcel, all of that has to be calculated and recorded in time code and then perfectly tracked so that like that flag passes by the light at the exact moment that we are passing by the tree in the live action plate. Um, it really was a uh, labor-intensive and very um, precise way to make a movie that is supposed to look really off-the-cuff and spontaneous.
2: <laughs> Your filmography yeah. should look like Dean fleischer Camp made Marcel the Shell with Shoes on part one of like 11 <laughs> films. <laughs> right, right, right. It should have like 11 features in a row.
1: Yeah, and it was it was just so impressive that the audience feels like we're watching a documentary of this shell. It feels like we're meeting (laughs) Marcel and actually observing him in these unique, sweet moments of his life. And I imagine that took more writing and revising like you're saying to make those moments feel grounded and to yeah. also move the story along and uh, you know we have so many different unique moments like those those moments with marcel explaining what happened to his cousin who was left in the <laughs> yeah. pocket in the wash um i tried to watch out for him the second time i, I watched it and forgot i was like was he in oh, the, the, the family scene was he <laughs> watching for the fire truck out the window but I didn't catch it.
2: I also love how the all the shots of the washer and dryer in the beginning of this film was like some David Fincher vibe going <laughs> yeah, yeah. on, like yeah. these yeah. insert shots, <laughs> the closer inserts. I love that.
1: Yeah. And then we have these more bittersweet moments where Marcel is showing Dean, your character, uh, the family etched behind the mirror and his neighbors, his classmate. I think it's Richard, right, who's the worst singer. And my favorite, <laughs> yes. the yeah, uh the interview where Marcel is talking about how he doesn't use the same clock as us. And uh, yeah. Leslie Stahl, <laughs> you know, asks you yeah. how long has it been since Marcel hasn't seen his family and you're totally deadpan, uh two years. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm assuming that the recording process you know you have a lot of audio and scenes that you captured but ultimately wouldn't fit in the final story Were there a couple Mm -hmm. scenes that you really loved but just couldn't make the final film oh my god a
0: couple there's like literally i don't know probably 10 hours just of like gems (laughs) like solid gold that were like left wow release the clip yeah right yeah totally the um yeah, we, we, uh, Nick and I came up with kind of a rule as we were editing slash writing, uh, which was that because, because you, this moment, like, you're like so jazzed to show it, you know, to ke- keep it in the movie or whatever, some joke that you slaved over that like works like gangbusters, so funny. And then you screen it for, let's say, producers or friends or something like that, just in the animatic. And it just, it's so, there's a deep, like, I can feel my face getting red just thinking about it when you've, when you've, taken a wrong turn and you've indulged some thing that you loved and it may it just is falling flat because it doesn't tell story and it doesn't move the story along and even though it's mm-hmm. like so funny or wonderful mm-hmm. or whatever you can just feel everyone going like yeah 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 but back to the story and it mm-hmm. it motivates you to then okay let's make some rules here What the rules we came up with were like i can't remember exactly what it was but it was like uh the <laughs> any anything we use has to do three of these four things and it was like tell story and rich character is funny and then the fourth was i forget something else um but oh oh i think maybe like sounds uh, authentic like sounds real mm-hmm. yeah. sounds like a real documentary mm-hmm. and if it didn't do two or three two or more of those things it had to go um and y- y- you get away with like oh it's so sad to me because i think we all imagine this movie being a little more um Open ended and exploratory and vignette driven but when okay, but yeah. but just the demands of a narrative feature um th- you can't you have to once you introduce the breadcrumb of a story, you get away with some of that stuff in the first act once you introduce an inciting incident and in a story, even the breadcrumb of it, even the whiff of a story, it is crack to an audience and i'm obviously i'm I include myself in that, and you can't mm-hmm. go back to that like pastoral uh or just you know, kind of viewing someone's life without any forward movement. Velocity mm-hmm. is all that matters at that point. And you have to, even, even though I think our film comes across as being very, you know, not super plot heavy and pretty like, um, I don't know what to call it, but like kind of gentle in its storytelling. Yeah. It's like, in.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Lived in and found in the edit and all that stuff. It still is like underneath that there is like the most rigid structure of storytelling that, that <laughs> we found is the only way to make something that on the surface feels, you know, slow, slow wave or whatever you want to call it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. I was just wondering if there were any, you know, ones that couldn't be included. I was like, was there a flashback at one point to an embarrassing moment in Marcel's classroom? Like the, the music class, <laughs> I was really interested in the maestro specifically. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 His yeah. music career.
0: Yeah. Yep. Totally. There was, yeah, there was a, uh, one of our first like outlines. Of the movie before we revised it and made it more of a, it was a more traditional sort of Pixar story. That this is like literally seven years ago was was all about his music class and his
2: relationship with the maestro. Oh
1: wow! <laughs>
2: <laughs> that isn't too surprising that you were thinking about something more vignette or conceptual because I know mm-hmm. that your documentary was sort of like that because it kind of broke like a lot like boundaries that I'm excited to watch again I haven't seen it yet but like I've read about it and I've seen the trailer and I was like I'm fascinated to watch this um so I'm going to do that but uh yeah. but I, w- it's I was it's a very thinking, different like, watch
0: the... from Marcel just to be just to be clear yeah yeah to <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: but um yeah I did find myself in in moments of Marcel like turn, speaking about that Pixar style like turning to Kelsey and being like is this the new toy story like I the way this is structured <laughs> it feels like it's setting itself up for uh like a toy story universe mm. and i i said that with the most love possible i yeah. wasn't like, yeah, yeah i wasn't like oh, oh another I'm, yeah i would never of be offended movies.
0: by that toy story fucking yeah <laughs> toy story is incredible yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, i guess it is an incredible
2: compliment yeah um yeah. but yeah it would have been really interesting for <laughs> for like a vignette marcel film like i don't know if you've seen chazelle's babylon yet but i'm just like imagining yeah. the like the the <laughs> end of that yeah. film but like in a marcel <laughs> movie <laughs> uh, so yeah that'd be crazy
0: Uh, that's why I'm excited about like maybe the idea of a Marcel TV show in a way I wasn't before, because I feel like in TV, you sort of get an opportunity at more prismatic storytelling that in a feature features are so sort of, um, um, there's, there, there's a very, like, you know, uh, the expectation going into a feature is that it'll all be wrapped up in two hours and this is a, in a way, a feature has to be about like the most important day in someone's life. Whereas a a TV series (laughs) can be about you know, more of a daily daily life struggle.
1: Yeah. And I think also something that made it feel so lived in were the details of Marcel's world. I think my favorite sequence or one of them uh, is when Marcel is taking Dean, uh, your character, through the treehouse world. It's so beautiful yeah. and all the <laughs> unique details we we go through at the beginning of the movie. I think, Trey, your favorite was the baseball card.
2: I love that in
1: the bread room. <laughs> the, the,
2: I I really loved Marcel like having like the idea of Marcel having like idols and sports. Like I was just thinking about like oh who all the posters were gonna be or is be. it just art? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: dude. There's a, there's an incredible riff on him having a baseball card in his room that got cut from the movie. I'll I'll have to uh-huh. find it and s- send it to yeah, you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god that's that'd awesome. be amazing yeah and i i personally loved the pillbox that was flipped in a way where it looked like a refrigerator holding yeah. marcel's scavenge oh, yeah, yeah, almonds yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah no no, no. There, there's so much um there's so much in there that i'm like oh i wish it were on screen for more than one second because it's like the most <laughs> yeah. brilliant bit of world building but it's just there for a second yeah the pillbox is a five. that's a lot of that is um Jeff, uh, Jeff White and Liz, uh, Tunkel who were our production designers and came up with lots of really great stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. I think on my recent watch, I caught the beautiful spiral staircase leading up to Nana Connie's Mm -hmm. garden. Mm. And I, I heard you say that you, uh, liked pencil mouse specifically, but I was wondering, were there any (laughs) other hidden details that maybe we didn't catch that you love in Marcel's world?
0: Totally. There's a ton of these. There's, um, well, there's, I, I think, Pencil Mouse is a personal favorite. He just has so much emotion to his face. <laughs> but uh, uh, the Tampon Ghost is another personal favorite. There's also yes. a, yeah. I don't know if you caught that in the, yeah, the funeral scene. Um, there is, yeah, there's so many of these. Actually, if you, it, it, the treehouse architecture, let's say, is actually created by um, this, artist whose name is uh Jed Jedediah volts I think is I'm saying that right. And he um makes these trees he he's a very tall man who makes teeny tiny tree houses. And he was doing these like well <laughs> before Marcel. And we actually got in touch with him because I was such a fan of his work. And there's so many little details even in that. Like I mean he like he's a he's a real um incredible artist. And um uh people should seek him out on the internet but he, but he like he, he like hand stains each of the planks so that they like even though they're carved out of popsicle sticks he wants it to have the veneer of like a deck or whatever um, it's pretty incredible yeah they're work. beautiful so they are they're gorgeous i have i have one in my home that i and also they're they're sort of these like ephemeral works of art because they are he builds them into actual succulents and real plants so they eventually outgrow and get ripped apart
2: oh that's oh, incredible wow. yeah i <laughs> That's the kind of that's yeah. the kind of small stuff in there. That's again on rewatch. This is gonna, I guess, give a lot of people a, a lot more interesting things to check out each time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Kind of speaking about like the technical stuff and the kind of like. I'm sure what I would think is like clout building, uh, which is just a technical achievement that Marcel is, and like what Kirsten Laporte did and in, the uh, in animation too. I genuinely felt like, and I feel like we're becoming like an A24 commercial right now for the DVD, <laughs> for the Blu ray. Make sure everybody goes and checks out the Blu ray for Marcel. Definitely uh, go. Get it, yeah. But the behind the scenes stuff, I found myself feeling like I was watching uh, the behind the scenes of Spielberg's Jaws or something. Like it was a moment where <laughs> I caught myself being truly mind blown uh, with the layers of difficulty of placing Marcel in the real world. And I think anyone who takes the time to understand the stop motion filmmaking process, especially in your unique production, I think Marcel becomes like a one of a kind movie. And I was also thinking of other films like uh, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, mm-hmm. And somehow you... It felt like that kind of breakthrough in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And it also yeah. felt like it had the thematic sensibility of like a Miyazaki film at the same time, which <laughs> is rare to not have yeah, like this It just feels like you're humor. seeing something so
1: new. Yeah. yeah
2: and refreshing. Oh. And I know we aren't alone, like obviously in our admiration with all these awards and what we're talking about. But I, I have to ask you, I'm really curious. You don't have to divulge any names, but did you have anyone notable reach out to you about the film, like in your own life? Did you have anybody that you fanboy over that? that was like hey loved marcel loved the technical stuff like did you have your own leslie (laughs) (laughs)
0: Leslie stall i mean especially doing like awards press and doing sort of like the the campaign trail or whatever you want to call it like i've met i've met so many of my heroes and yeah. Uh, I'll never get over it. I mean, like I, yeah, I met uh, Henry Selleck at um, the Savannah College of Art, and we like went on a ghost tour of Savannah together. Um, wow! And and actually, it was. I mean, I was a massive fan of his to begin with, but then also, yeah. Uh, we we weirdly, I'm also a fan of Monkey Bone because when we were uh, one of his, yeah. you know, lesser known movies. Because when we were trying to figure out how to incorporate a li- a, a stop motion character into a live action movie that was one of the only precedents that had that had been done in the last like i don't know 50 years or something so kirsten right. and i did a lot of studying monkey bone weirdly <laughs> Even though yeah, big brendan Fraser here year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah yeah um so yes, there's been there's been plenty of those and um, it's been really, really wonderful.
2: Yeah, I found myself being like, I can imagine, I, I was just thinking of all the other like animated stop motion film directors that have gotten a, a lot of fame and mm-hmm. then their careers took off after the fact and like Wes Anderson obviously comes to mind and mm-hmm. I was thinking about how like his movie kind of set a new standard and I do feel like Marcel kind of sets that too. And I was like imagining creators like Anderson sitting at home watching Marcel being like, I feel kind of challenged right now, like in the (laughs) best possible way, like I got to go make a stop motion movie again. And then I'd be, I'd be so excited uh, for that to happen.
0: I do think there's a ton of really cool new stuff going on with stop motion. And it's, it's surprising because it's such an old craft. And even, you know, like even in our research to try to figure out, like Kirsten is a very young, um, you know, a stop motion artist, but she's especially young in stop motion terms. Like she, like, Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that we consulted with, you know, they're getting up there in years because, um, I don't know, it went out of fashion and CG became, digital animation became so big. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's so much, there's so much cool stuff right now. It's such a green pasture in terms of combining, either combining step motion with, um, you know, new ideas, live action or, or digital uh, stuff, uh, or um using new kind of digital concepts and technologies to enhance stop motion i don't know if you guys saw robin robin but um it was the first one that i saw that did did an incredible job of uh yeah of 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 marrying um stop motion and and elevating it with a lot of digital techniques and a lot of layering which might not have been so easy before
2: yeah totally and i and i no, there are a lot of impressive like stop motion films as of late and think like different movies mm-hmm. doing different kinds of things. I know Wendell and Wilde has gotten a lot of love recently from Netflix. Yeah,
0: there's th- there's three or four in the like um there were three or four in like the Oscars contention uh that are all stop right, them, which is incredible. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But why I think your film is one that people keep coming back to and why the fan base is so huge, uh, like, or at least like incredibly passionate in how it's huge. Like, I feel like people are very like powerfully Marcel fans. It isn't like, you're not like a casual Marcel. The like it's just an okay movie. Like people are like, no, I love that movie. I think it, it obviously has to do with the technical aspects, but there's also this kind of like universal set of themes throughout the movie mm-hmm. that we've kind of touched on a little bit, but like there's a lot of things about isolation going on and found family and mental health struggles and cycles of rebirth and mm-hmm. like poetry reading <laughs> toward the end of the movie, literally. And those things are done so well, but a subtle like narrative choice that I loved was your side plot with your character Dean throughout the film. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of balancing the ideas you had for Nanakani and Marcel and their story alongside Dean's journey? Because there is this sub narrative with that character where he has this like conflict with Marcel uh, who yeah. like, you know, sees this guy (laughs) making a documentary about him and Marcel's like you know your life might be a little less lonely and more integrated if you took the time to connect with somebody and like not just make videos about them and I found myself being so interested in your arc to these like tragic underpinnings of Marcel's journey so did you find that it was like a difficult balance to kind of like see how your character's journey would also fit with the larger narrative of Marcel and Connie because I found like he was kind of like an audience surrogate where uh, right. He's sor- sort of trying to escape in the document documentary filmmaking, kind of like the audience trying to escape in the movie a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah, um, for sure, I mean it's something that I've struggled with as somebody who who sometimes makes stuff that is documentary or or shares something with documentary about you know your role as a documentarian and what's exploitive and what is your obligation to the subject of your documentary um mm-hmm. and these are all things that I think people are rightfully discussing right now um especially as documentaries begin to become like big business i think it's important that we talk about you know how much of that should be shared with the subject etc cetera. Um, right. and so it's already something that was kind of on my mind uh just as a person i truly like we pitched this um idea for this film without i mean i my character dean was was a character in that pitch but i was always imagining that i wouldn't actually appear on camera uh, cause I don't oh, wow. really like, like appearing on camera and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, as, and as we got further into the story and the animatic and stuff, it, it became, I resisted it, um, like hell, but my producers and Nick, um, you know, twisted my arm into it. And I knew that it was what was required in the story. And I had to sort of like put my, you know, whatever, my ego aside and my preciousness aside, and say like, all right, this is I've I've helped write this story that clearly demands that this character be on screen with Marcel at least for the sixty minutes thing, and, and that he quote unquote like put down the camera and join him in life. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I mean yeah, those the <laughs> all those all those moments where Marcel is sort of like trying to trying to pull me out of my shell, uh, no pun intended. Um yeah. are they're there's some of my favorite in the movie. I really it's so funny when I watch that watch it with an audience and like that that moment about maybe your life would be a bit more integrated comes up like yeah. like <laughs> everyone like dies laughing sometimes it gets applause, and I'm like kind of sliding down the seat <laughs> a little bit but um but i but I love those moments in their relationship because I always thought of it as sort of like um Danny DeVito and Arnold in twins. oh yeah that's funny (laughs) because uh I I in the movie I am a character I'm a friend of Marcel's or whatever a new friend uh who has all the power at my disposal I'm a giant I know how the internet works I know how technology works all these things um similar to sort of how you know uh and marcel's excited to know me but frustrated at my meekness or my shyness because you have all this power and you're not even using it how dare you and uh (laughs) i always thought of it as sort of like arnold uh meeting danny devito and twins because uh because arnold is like this huge muscle-bound physical perfection guy who is uncomfortable in his own skin because he doesn't know himself and he's seeking his own you know kind of identity and danny devito knows exactly who he is he's a hairy short gremlin who would be shoved aside <laughs> if it weren't for his yeah. big mouth yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and he's so frustrated that are that arnold like isn't on his page um and so i always loved the uh, i mean once we figured out that dynamic on the, on the movie it was always a joy to play in that and yeah you know to some extent it is true of my actual life
1: <laughs> yeah and it adds a- another layer there because yeah. as we're Going through Marcel's you know journey, we're also going through Dean's journey, you know and it's we're like he is us looking for apartments on the couch, you know um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I loved it <laughs> and I also wanted to talk to you about your relationship with the internet and like community because there's this scene with Marcel where he notes you know his followers on YouTube aren't a community at one point, they're an audience, and we get that awesome shot of the kid like doing a TikTok dance outside of the airbnb it <laughs> <He> was great <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and i don't know if selfie sticks are around i haven't seen a selfie stick in a while but i'm <laughs> yeah. sure they're still out there yeah. but yeah, yeah i feel like you know generations all have their individual relationship to the internet mm-hmm. but most people i think have experienced the irony of feeling isolated while you know also having access to everything at your fingertips and i think your script really impressively portrayed that in a genuine way, which I think is a difficult thing to do because it's something that could showed up as like a played idea or something that we understand, but it was really emotional and, and beautiful in, in Marcel's story. And, you know, Marcel discovers the spectrum between the internet being an opportunity for community and ar- an artistic outlet, but then also the exploitative, you know, attention economy, mm-hmm. part of the internet. And, you know, in the past 10 years since the Marcel shorts or, you know, more, um, yeah. were in 2010 and your work on documentaries, how has your relationship to the internet kind of changed and how did that inform Marcel's story?
0: Um, I, that moment, I think for, um, I think that that moment in the movie is beautiful because it's emotional and it's emotional because, marcel actually as opposed to everyone else who's kind of like clout chasing on the internet or not everyone else but right. a lot of people marcel's right. reaching out to try to actually do something real that would reconnect him with his family <laughs> even though most of yeah, us yeah, most yeah. of us are upset when we don't get a lot of likes from like a joke we wrote or whatever on twitter yeah. um, <laughs> and so i think that i think that that highlights uh exactly what is kind of wrong maybe with the internet and look i like owe my career to the internet i'm not saying like let's <laughs> burn it all to the ground but um it, it's that there's not a lot of real humanity there's not a lot of real connection or sharing i think it can lead to that but i think that the ways in which social media apps have offered connection to us that part that that particular um way of connection is very shallow and um and, and he finds that out and is you know yeah kind of crushed by it um but it definitely came from uh, I and Jenny feeling that exact same way when the original Marcel video became popular which is that like um it's a little heartbreak there's a roller coaster ride within the first few days of something going viral especially like something mm-hmm. that you put out there as like a creative project there's the first wave of like oh my gosh people actually care about this, this is so so yeah. cool. <laughs> And then there's an immediate backlash or feeling, uh, I don't know, reluctance or wariness or something like that. um, When you realize that once it's so massively successful, maybe 99% of those people actually see the wrong thing in it, or think that the wrong thing is funny about it, or just don't see it on a deeper level when you actually meant it as kind of something a little serious. Um, Mm -hmm. That is sort of, that was sort of our experience of Marcel. And I think, um, you know, we tried to tried to fold that into the movie and help that enrich, you know, his, uh, his actual story. Um, But yeah, those are all, I think, real feelings that we had about the internet, especially like, Oh, it's still a group of people, but it's not a community.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love the tattoo sequence. It was great. (laughs) The The
2: Marcel tat. Yeah. Yeah. So last question here that kind of goes off of uh, the, the Dean Marcel relationship. I love this kind of like imaginary friend archetype in fantastical stories like the E.T. with Elliot or oh, yeah. my, my personal E.T. with the Iron Giant. Like that's my go-to uh, show, yeah. my Iron <laughs> Giant heads out there. Uh, and that's why I'm kind of convinced Marcel will live forever in the culture because people <laughs> will come back to this film at all ages and relate to it just completely differently. Because I'm watching the movie at like 28 and I'm like, oh, the character Dean is like going through something and he's like sort of the adult version of Elliot from E.T. or Hogarth from <laughs> the Iron Giant and like yeah. Marcel is this ally and he's like really just a wake-up call to this character <laughs> and the world around him, which are like yeah. fairly obvious things to like once you've watched the movie and sat with it. But in the theater, um, I remember the first time being like, is this like a, an E.T. film for adults? This is incredible. <laughs> and I've uh, I've seen like your name in the rumor mill for Lilo and Stitch. Like that's been very popular, mm-hmm. like a popular uh story going around and my first thought was that you're perfect for that because I assumed, you know the you love these archetypes where a human goes through some kind of like traumatic experience and a larger than life figure swoops in and changes their life forever is that a story or uh, some kind of archetype or relationship that you've always found yourself interested in I
0: always like those kinds of movies I guess I haven't I haven't really thoughtfully analyzed like why I'm drawn to them but uh yeah I've been I've called them, uh, I've been calling them my friend, the alien style movies okay. because there's whether it's like, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's uh Terminator or Iron Giant or ET or Lilo and Stitch, I'm flattered to hear you include Marcel in, uh, <laughs> in the genre. Yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's, it, I think it speaks to a moment, um, that probably we all go through, uh, maybe it's, I don't know if it's always in childhood, but we uh, a moment of maturation where a uh, friendship changes us, um, brings a new perspective to our to our world, and um, and then I think what always I think I mean I think what makes those movies so strong in our memory and um, so indelible is their they they end with a goodbye. I mean the genre is mm-hmm. built on the on the goodbye scene. Elliot, mm-hmm. Elliot saying goodbye to E.T. is like, uh, Killer. At, but, uh yeah, the, uh, the ouch, um, ouch, and he points to his heart. Is it ouch? I think yeah. it's ouch. Anyways, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're barn burners because we've all, we've all, uh, I think had to say goodbye to a relationship before we were ready to, or, um, had to say goodbye to something that, you know, added to the foundation of who we are. and um, those movies. Externalize it and express it in a really beautiful way.
1: Yeah, when Marcel, you know, says that you're welcome here anytime, I was like, I'm crying right it, now. It was <laughs> the it was the pause. It was the pause yeah. that got me. We just watched it yesterday, last yeah. night,
2: and it was the that small that small <laughs> pause of like you saying anything, and I'm like, man, he they know what they're doing. <laughs> like, it got me. Um, okay, well, this this has been a a great conversation, and we end every conversation with a. Fun recommendation from the creator of what you've been watching recently, a film or show, or something that you believe deserves extra credit. It could be old. It could be new. We try and spread awareness of why meaningful films to us and our listeners deserve more recognition or why people need to check them out, like Marcel with Shoes On. And, you know, I'll give you a second here to think. I'll tell you what some filmmakers came on and said recently. We had uh, Ruben Uslin from Triangle Sadness come on and talk about One flew over the cuckoo's nest. We had Helena Rain from Bodies come on and talk about uh, the piano teacher. Zach Kreger from Barbarian talked about St. Maude and audition. I think Seth Reese brought up Rocky. Oh yeah. So there's like a whole spectrum of (laughs) movies that people are bringing up. So Um, it could be anything.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, Triangle of Sadness is great. Uh, What I was going to (laughs) say is, if there, if it, it, on the on the subject of Marcel, anyways, uh, there's one documentary that I don't think gets enough attention, even though it fucking rules called Billy the Kid. It's not about Billy okay. the Kid the like old western personality, it's about uh, a, a kid. It's by Jennifer Venditti who's a she I mean she's become a very famous um casting director, but she has made one movie and it was called Billy the Kid and it's about a kid that she met while trying to while casting another uh, uh project. And um it was just a really great um I don't know, it was something it was a tuning fork for Marcel. We kept going back to it. Um there's no documentary. Well, okay. These are, I mean, no, I'm just gonna, it's gonna be an endless list.
2: That, that's fine <laughs> but, give as many as you want. Yeah. The
0: The other movie that it doesn't get enough credit, but I think I, my hope is that um, now that you see a lot more stuff that is sort of skirting a line between um, documentary and fiction. I think that this is like people will return to this as like a total landmark, but it's called strangers in good company. Um, Uh, In certain territories, it's called In the Company of Strangers, but it's from, I think, 1990 or 91, and uh, it's an incredible movie that I, even though I'd heard recommendations about it, I put off seeing it forever because I just thought, I don't know, the title didn't say anything to me, and the cover didn't look like anything to me, but it is like, it, it will, it's a transcendent, moving, spiritual experience. I think it's probably the closest thing I've had to a spiritual experience watching a movie. Um and it is just a beautiful documentary hybrid about these uh this handful of older women whose uh bus breaks down like in the Canadian wilderness and they kind of make do for a few days. And it is uh it's incredible casting, but it's also an incredible feat of editing and writing and um real documentation, uh like like uh, being a witness to these women, these women and their actual stories and their I don't know where the line is. I don't know that anyone knows where the line is, but um right. my sense is that they're probably playing themselves in a lot of ways and then maybe not in other ways, but uh it it is um it's a really special one.
2: Well, check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Played it's it, incredible. Yeah.
0: It's, it, I swear to God it'll have a Criterion release in like less than 3 years.
1: <laughs> yeah we're just we're definitely gonna check both of those out yeah awesome. I
2: love getting recommendations of films I haven't seen too especially um, documentaries too yeah yeah so we'll check both of those out thank you for those recommendations
0: if you like Marcel you're gonna be blown away by strangers and new
2: yeah for sure okay well Dean thanks so much for coming on the, the show yeah. I really appreciate you best of luck this award season uh, something tells me that it's it's gonna go all right tomorrow and we're really excited <laughs> for you <laughs> I
1: <hope> so yeah yeah <laughs>
2: Uh, Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Yeah, 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 thanks for
1: coming on. And just in honor of our little guy, we won't sign off with peace. Um, But we'll just go (laughs) ahead and say war. (laughs) Let's (laughs) let the battle begin. begin.
0: Thanks a lot, you guys. Thank you for having me.